a pastor, somebody who wants to be a pastor or desires the office of a pastor, it needs to be these things, this list that we're going to read needs to be evident in your life before you even consider being a pastor. Does that make sense? Now, the danger, one of the reasons why I have a hard time speaking about this and other pastors have a hard time speaking about it is because by, by, by doing this, it can almost as appear as though I'm lifting myself up and saying, see, look at me. That is not my intention at all. Please understand that. Let's read 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. <clears throat> this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to much wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but a patient, not a brawler, not covetous, <clears throat> one that ruleth uh, well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Uh, for if a man <clears throat> know not how to rule his own house, how shall he uh, take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall uh, into reproach and the snare of the devil. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this, this time together as a church family. And I want to thank you for your love and that the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, help us to understand your word. And Lord, help us to understand the importance of every aspect of your word. Uh, we love you and we thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The purpose of 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, is so that we as believers have a guideline, if you would, of what to look for in a pastor. I have heard people say uh, to me, well, I think a pastor should, and you fill in the blank. What, what is the problem with that? Okay. Okay. Oftentimes, they are not talking about the scriptural qualifications. They are saying, I think a pastor should now now what is the problem with that now uh, let me let me just pick one um uh i think a pastor should vacuum the church every week okay now obviously that's not a qualification of a pastor but is there anything wrong with that no okay there, there's nothing wrong with that and i would be very happy to do that if i needed to in fact i have done that on many occasions but Let's just say that that's Tony's idea, okay? <laughs> and then I'm going to pick on Ronnie. And Ronnie, Ronnie thinks that a pastor should cut everybody's grass in the church. Um, amen? Amen. Okay. All right? <laughs> okay? And then, and then uh, uh, I'll pick on Rolando. Rolando thinks that, because if you don't know Rolando, Rolando's a great, uh, a huge sports fan. 
So Rolando thinks a pastor ought to have a, uh, uh, a batting average of, of 700. There you go. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. I like that. Okay. So, so now, 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 seriously, what, what is the trap that you can fall into? Exactly. See, the, the problem is that he thinks I should vacuum the church. He thinks I should cut the grass. He thinks Super Bowl is more important than church. And, <laughs> And, and <laughs> uh, but the, the problem is we all have our own ideas of what we think a pastor should be. And I use these dramatic examples because, but, but you all know what I'm talking about. And the problem is it is impossible. It is impossible for a pastor to live up to everybody's expectations outside of scripture. You can't do it. I have a question for you. <clears throat> How does the average person pick the church slash pastor that they go to? Okay, okay, okay. Rolando, or Rolando. Okay, Orlando. I told you I'm playing with a headache, okay? So you got to cut me some slack, okay? Orlando's on the right track. Most people choose the church slash pastor that they, that they attend based on how he preaches. Is that reasonable? Okay, or, or even what he preaches, okay? And, yes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it does have to do with education. You're right. Now, <clears throat> the the problem is most churches will have a have, you know if if let, let's just say something happened to me tomorrow and I, I'm no longer here, God takes me home, whatever. Please. Um, anyway, you know I'm teasing. Um, but you you folks have to find a new pastor. You're going to invite pastors in. More than likely, you'll have a committee that is formed to interview that pastor. But 90% of the, the church is going to make its decision whether or not this man will be your new pastor based on how he preaches or what he preaches. Am I right? Okay. Uh, that's wrong. Okay. I'm just saying that that's not that's not how you do it. Uh, <clears throat> to the best of my knowledge, and I could be wrong here, and, and if I am, please forgive me, <clears throat> but I've not had one person who's joined Grace Baptist Church to make Grace Baptist Church its home church. I've not had one person ask me, Pastor, how much time do you spend in the Word of God every day? Well, okay, well, that was 10 years ago, man. <laughs> I said, I said, okay, 
Yeah, I think, you know, actually, I think she did, actually, now that, now that you mentioned that. I totally had forgotten about that. Okay, so one person in 10 years that I can remember. Now, there, there may have been others. I've never had, other than Trion, I've never had anybody ask me, well, how much time do you spend in prayer every day? Now, I'm, I'm not saying this to, to slight anybody. That's not my point. My point is to get us to stop thinking about the fact that preaching equals a good pastor. Because I'll be honest, some of the most carnal pastors I've ever seen are far better preachers than I am. Far better. I have had people ask me if I make hospital visits. I mean, that's a legitimate question, I think. <clears throat> because, unfortunately, a lot of most pastors don't. I, I, I want to make a statement here. I've I've heard I have heard men say God uh, has called them to be a pastor uh, oh okay I know what I was trying to say okay um, I and <clears throat> I, I know pastors who can take you to a t- time and place where God called them to be a pastor you know, be it a be it a sermon, a a, a, a conference that they ran, or so, there was an event that happened, and God just burdened their heart that this is this is this is what I want you to do. That did not happen to me. The journey, if you would, for me to being a pastor was a series of steps that God had to bring me through to get me to this point in my life. The first thing that God had to do was to teach me that I'm not stupid. Now, you may think, well, that's ridiculous. Well, no. <laughs> I, I grew I if you didn't know it, I have a learning disability. And when I was growing up, <clears throat> my teachers told me I was just stupid. You know what happens after several teachers tell you that? You start believing it. And God had to bring me through a journey in my life to teach me that I wasn't stupid. Now, am I smart? I I don't think so. But that's for God to sort out. The second step in my journey, if you would, is I had to realize that God could use me. Because when you feel like you're stupid, what do you feel like? You feel useless. And I'll tell you what, and and I'll be honest with you, those were two very big hurdles that God had to get me over. But I think the third one, it was the hardest. And that is the realize that God wanted to use me. How many of you in this room feel worthy? Exactly. And when I, I struggled with God for many years. Him working in my heart in my life, finally surrendering to the idea that God wanted to use me. 
That journey took over 25 years to make. And I am so very thankful that God never gave up on me. I gave up on God many times, but He never gave up on me. I'm so very thankful for that. Let's talk about the office of the pastor, point number one. Is it working? Oh, great. Thanks, Chris. Okay, the office of the pastor. In Scripture, there are three, or well, I guess technically four different words used to describe the office of the pastor. It is pastor, bishop, or overseer, and elder. Now, we believe... Uh, it's in our constitution, and we even said it at the beginning of service, <clears throat> that God has given the local church two offices. And what are those two offices? Pastor, pastor and deacon. Now, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 says, And Paul and Timotheus, the servant of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Okay, so there, there they are identified, the two offices identified. Now, I do want to kind of take a little rabbit trail here. There are many churches today that teach that there are three offices in the church. Anybody know what the third one is? Elder. Okay, the evangelist is not part of the local church. Well, he can he can say that all he wants, okay? <laughs> um, but th- there are many churches today that teach that there's a pastor, deacon, and elder. Um, so <clears throat> this can be a little confusing. So I want to I want to address the three names and help you identify them, so that hopefully the confusion will go away if 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 it's even confusing at all. The first the first word is the word pastor. How many times do you think the word pastor appears in Scripture? Huh? No, it, 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 it's, in, it's in the Bible. Huh? Anybody? It's just once. Okay, and it's in the Old Testament. Okay, it's in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 6. It says, "For uh, excuse me, as for me, I have not uh, hastened, from being a pastor to following thee. <clears throat> Neither have I des- desire the woeful days uh, thou knowest, uh, that which came out of my lips is right before, right before thee. So, as you can tell, the one, the one time the word pastor is used, it is not r- referred to in the New Testament sense of a pastor. Okay? But what is a pastor? Anybody know? Okay, it tend, te, tends to or feeds the flock. Okay, that's what the word means. The second word is the, the word, and I put these two together, and I'll explain why, is the bishop and the overseer. In Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, it says, For, and, uh, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not uh, self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, uh, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, uh, holding fast to the faithful uh, word, 
as he hath been taught, uh, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to uh, convince the gainsayers. The word bishop here literally means to be an overseer. That's why I put these two words together. It literally means to be an overseer. Uh, a, a man charged with a duty of overseeing the things done to others. That's what the word bishop means. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost uh, hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. So, bishop and overseer, if you could see it in the Greek, and I should have probably put the Greek word up here. Anyway, in the Greek, the word bishop and overseer is the exact same Greek word. It's just translated bishop one place and overseer in the other. Same identical word, same meaning. So that's why I put those two words together, bishop, overseer. And then the third one is an elder. Now, as we read these verses, I want you to see if you can identify the... Uh, well, let's just read it. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting, and, uh, and ordain elders in every city, as I have appointed thee. Acts chapter 20, verse 17. And for Miletus, uh, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders to, uh, of the church. So in Acts chapter 17, well, let me go back to the to passage in Titus. Do you see in Titus, what was it, 1.5, Titus 1.5, do you see how that could be very easily the word elder be identifying a pastor that they were establishing pastors in every city? Do, do, do you all get that? Okay. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is sending for the elders, okay? Uh, so <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 17, he, he sends Miletus to Ephesus to call all the elders of the church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this describes the responsibilities of the elder. And I think you'll see that it also describes the responsibilities of a pastor. Uh, Take heed, therefore, unto, your, unto yourselves, and to the flock of God, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. So who is he talking to? He's talking to the elders that Miletus went to go get. And he's telling them to be overseers, or to be bishops, or to be pastors. To feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. So to me, it's very clear that the pastor, uh, overseer, bishop, and the elder are all three the same thing. Does that make sense? Okay. So <clears throat> there are two offices. Now let's talk about the occupation, if you would, of a pastor. <clears throat> there is a, there's a key word in verse two. I want okay. You go ahead and read verse two on your own, and let me see. Let's see if anybody can pick out the key word. That's a good one, but no. No, that's good too. Okay, he nailed it. 
<clears throat> must be. One Greek word, two English words, must be. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to say something that potentially could get me in a lot of trouble. This book is not politically correct. Okay? God doesn't care what is politically correct or not. He says what he says, and it's our responsibility to live up to what he says. So a pastor must be, eliminates any opportunity for my opinion, for your opinion, and for political correctness. So the Bible says a pastor must be. <clears throat> Again, and, and it is it is it is all inclusive. Okay, the word the word must is I looked this up and I to make sure it is an indicative present tense active verb. Okay, that's a that's a mouthful, that's why I had to read it. Okay, it's an indicative, which means it's emphatic. Okay, it's present tense. What does that mean? Right here, right now. And it's an active verb. So it literally means, with as much emphasis as the writer could make, that these things must be present in your life now and tomorrow and the next day it must be it is non optional what happens or what should happen in the life of a pastor if any of the following qualifications are violated okay it automatically scripturally disqualifies him from being a pastor period So, he must be, number one, he must be a man of compassion. We see this in the word desire in verse 1. It says, this is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good thing. The word desireth, desire here means to stretch oneself in order to... Uh, to grasp something, uh, uh, you know, to to reach for the goal, if you would. But it is it is it is a it is a term that is connected directly to the heart of the pastor. It is something that should be passionate to the pastor. It should not be just a quote unquote job. Does that make sense? Because if it were just a quote-unquote job, I'd have quit a long time ago. <laughs> just saying. Okay. One of the things, when you get the heart involved, what can happen when you, as a, as a man or a woman, in your job, in your home, whatever, what is the potential when you put your heart out to get your heart broke? And I'm here to tell you... Uh, if, it, if, 
if it was not a calling from God to be a pastor, every pastor in America would have quit a long time ago. The hurts are great, but the blessings are greater. The second thing, <clears throat> and this is we're gonna we're gonna start clipping down here real quick here, so you, you just kind of hang on with me. Uh, <clears throat> second thing, and not only a man of compassion but a man of character. Uh, the following uh, is a is a list of qualifications, if you would, and 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 it, it it's broken down into three categories of what I call skill sets. You know, if this were a job application, these would be skill sets, three different skill sets that an individual needs, needs to be able to, to portray. The first one is the self-control skill set, self-control skills. <clears throat> the first thing is that he needs to be blameless. Can somebody tell me what it means to be blameless? Okay, it literally means that nothing will stick. So that means, like, if you, <clears throat> I don't know, um, have you ever seen those gooey little creature things? You know, the kids throw them on the wall and they stick. Okay, <clears throat> that is the absolute opposite. So in other words, what it means to be blameless does not mean that a pastor has to be perfect because none of us are. But what it means is that when accusations are made to a pastor, the accusations just bounce off and they don't stick because they're, they're, they're not true. That, that, is, that is the literal meaning of the word blameless. <clears throat> now, this one is going to get a little politically incorrect, but I'm sorry it's here and i got to talk about it. It is the husband of one wife. <clears throat> okay, do you have that Greek, that Greek, I did do this one in Greek, just so you could see it. Okay, the first line is Greek. It literally means one woman man. There's three Greek words, and, it, and if you were to transliterate it, it is one woman man. Okay, for English grammar, it, it's, it, we don't talk like that. Okay, now I'm going to give you a little Greek lesson here so that you understand Whenever the writer in Greek was writing, <clears throat> they don't sentence structure didn't mean anything to them. What they would do is the word in the sentence or the phrase that they wanted to emphasize the most, they put first. Does that make sense? So, in this statement, the word one is the word that's being emphasized here. So, that means that a pastor cannot be a single man. Okay? It has to be. The word must be. Okay? Must be. So, a pastor cannot be a single man. The second thing is, it cannot be a woman. Now, again, I'm not going to get into the politics of it because I don't care what the, what the politics of it are. That's what the Bible says. And you can argue with me all day long. The Bible says 
the husband of one wife. So it has to be a man. So it, it cannot be a woman. And it cannot be a homosexual. Because it has to be, it, it must be a one-woman man. And it cannot be a divorced man. Because the emphasis is on the one. See, if you read it in English, the emphasis isn't there. But in the Greek, the emphasis is there. Yes. Okay, that's not that's that's a totally different, and, and that's actually addressed later. Paul Paul gives, if you would, permission for widowers to to be pastors. Uh, that's a whole different scenario, and it, what it does is it goes back to the word blameless, because again, I'm just going to say this. I have yet to meet, and I know there are people here that are divorced, and, and, and I'm not taking a shot at anybody. That, that's not my point. But every person, every couple that I've ever known that's been divorced, there's enough blame to go around both ways. And that individual, I don't care how you tell me, cannot be blameless. So when you put the two together, it, it, it nullifies the divorced pastor again I, I, I you know I'm sorry if I'm hurting or offending anybody that's not my point my point is to be as honest to scripture as I possibly can because it doesn't matter what I think because if it if it mattered what I think I wouldn't have a problem I know some really really good men who are divorced in fact I know a man who held the same position as I just told you until his wife left him. Then all of a sudden he got a revelation and he changed his position. And he went and married his girlfriend and he's still pastoring. Do you see something wrong with that? Vigilance is the next one. Literally means to walk circumspectly. I've, I've shared this illustration of, of what it means to walk circumspectly because the Bible tells us in multiple places that we need to walk circumspectly. But for a pastor, it is a, one of the qualifiers for me to be a pastor. But I'll share the, 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 the illustration again because uh, some of you may not have heard it. But the best illustration I've ever heard of the word circumspectly is a cat walking the the ridge of a fence with a pit bull on either side. Very carefully, that cat, every step is going to be made very... Because what happens if it falls? Yeah, it's, 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 it's done. Okay? But that's literally what this word means. So as a pastor, part of my responsibility is to walk circumspectly. Everything that I do needs to be done Carefully. Sober. <clears throat> the word sober. Uh, it is, again, not necessarily talking about uh, drinking soberness. 
It is the ability to think clearly. Anything in my life that that would distract me, to take me away from the ability of being able to think clearly is wrong. Give me some examples. Okay, marijuana would definitely be one. What about pornography? Would that in, 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 what's the word? Inhibit. There you go. Would that inhibit my ability to think clearly? Absolutely. What's another one? Gambling. And the list can go on and on and on. But it is, it is the idea of being sober-minded. I need to hurry. We're running out of time. Uh, leadership skills. Uh, good, uh, good behavior. Uh, well, well arranged, seemingly modest. Uh, this this has a lot to do with <clears throat> the way uh, the, the way we we present ourselves in a in an outward sense, the way we dress, and, and so on and so forth. Um, given to hospitality, anybody want to take a shot at that one? I mean, that one's kind of obvious, isn't it? Okay, given to being being uh, a lover of strangers, generous to uh, uh, to guests. Uh, having people in our our home, and so on and so forth. Uh, Another one is apt to teach. Apt to teach, the ability to teach God's Word. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there a difference between teaching and preaching? Absolutely. What am I doing now? I'm teaching. Okay? (laughs) Well, you know, it it is. I'm giving you information. Okay? What's the difference between teaching and preaching? Anybody? Huh? I, I didn't I didn't hear you. Oh, morning and night. Okay. Well, basically, preaching involves teaching, but teaching does not involve preaching. Does that make sense? The the idea of preaching is to try and get the listener to draw a conclusion. Teaching is just giving information. Preaching is trying to give that information, but give it in such a way that the listener has to draw a conclusion of either to follow God or not. That's the difference, in a nutshell. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's... Okay, <clears throat> not given to wine. Uh, this is literally a prohibition for pastors to drink, period. Okay, <clears throat> the next set of skills would be the relationship skills. Uh, not a striker. This is talking about a person um, having a quick temper or, or somebody who's always trying to pick a fight with someone. A pastor is not supposed to be like that. And this one I'm not too happy about, but not greedy of filthy lucre. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm teasing. Okay, a pastor, a pastor does not pastor for money, period. Should not. Should not. I, I know of a church in a small church about the size of our church in North Carolina. They 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 called a guy to be their, their new pastor and he sat down with the deacons and said, Okay, well how much are you gonna pay me? And they told him and he said, That's not enough. And and they said, Well, how much do you want? And he said, oh, I want at least seventy five thousand a year. I'm like, dude. Man, I, <laughs> you know, like that church, no way that church could afford that. Anyway, uh, we're not in it for the money. Okay, uh, we need to be patient. Uh, the ability to, to um, 
be flexible and generous and, and so on and so forth. Uh, not a brawler. Again, uh, one who's always picking fights and trying to cause controversy and drama. Uh, not, not covetousness or not covetous. Uh, that, that's kind of obvious, I would think. Uh, but this, this one, this next one is really important because it is the ruler ruling his own home. Now, why is that so important? The, the Bible says, uh, he, he makes it very clear in, the, in Scripture that if a pastor does not rule his own home, how can he rule the church? Okay, but what, what else? Okay, and that's true. If I can't, if I can't manage the finances and, and, and all the, the integral parts of a family, how, how in the world? I couldn't do it in a church. But what else is evident in all that? Okay, yeah, I wouldn't be teaching it right, but but let's just say, for instance, if I, if my kids were unruly and out of control, would 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 you as parents come to me for advice? Absolutely not. <clears throat> and in fact, I'm, I don't know if I even want to go down this rabbit hole, but. But there, there are a lot of theologians that believe, and I kind of tend to think this way as well, that not only should a pastor be married, but according to this, he should have children. Multiple children. And I, again, I, I'm not going to argue because one of, one of the most godly men that I've ever met in my life was a pastor, and he had no children. Now, does that mean he's not qualified to give parental advice? No, I don't think so. But the Bible's pretty clear that you need to be able to rule your own home. <clears throat> not a novice. That this is something very obvious. It's just somebody that's just not young. Does anybody know why Jesus waited until he was 30 to start his public ministry? Anybody? Because why? Well, no, no. There's a there's a reason why. Because Jesus is our what? Our great high priest, is he not? Does anybody know the age of when a priest could start his ministry? It was the age of adulthood. So a priest, because he was a priest had to be 30 years old. So Jesus had to wait until he was 30 years old before he could start his public ministry. Any reason why that is so important? Because nobody would have listened to him anyway. Oh, he's just a dumb kid. You know, I'm not going to listen to him. So just, just a little extra for your money there. <clears throat> Matthew Henry said this. He must be, in reference to a pastor, he says he must be a good, uh, a, a, a be of good reputation among his neighbors and, uh, and under no reproach from former conversation or lifestyles, uh, for the devil will make use of that, uh, ensnare others, and work in them uh, an ad, uh, a, a aversion to the doctrine of Christ preached by those who have not had a good report. So a, a pastor has to be somebody of high integrity. Again, I want to say this. It is not 
what I am supposed to attain, but how I'm supposed to live. Okay, does that make sense? I need to I need to finish up. He, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. <clears throat> Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that uh, is unprofitable for you. Now I want to say something here, and this is this. I, please understand. The word obey here does not mean that I, I have the ability to dictate to you what you need to do. That, that's not what this word means. But it does carry a lot of weight in your life. And I'm saying this not because of me, but I want to help you. God honors when you honor me. Does that make sense? When you honor me and you, you listen to what I have to say and you, and you take it to heart and you, you, you put it to work in your life, not because I said it, but because the Word of God said it, God will then use that as a blessing in your life. And there's something in this that you really need to get a hold of and, and please understand. Again, I'm not trying to boast of myself. That's not my point here. But it says here, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account. I will stand before God and give an account for everything that I preach and teach. Everything. Can you imagine the burden that I carry? I will stand before Almighty God and give an account. But before that, it gives a glimpse into a heart of a pastor, the burden that I carry for each of you. Because I watch for your souls. It hurts me when I see the, the, the hurt. I, I don't even know how to describe the hurt that takes place when I see someone in our church not doing right. Falling away, if you would. It, it, it hurts, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an undescribable hurt. And a good pastor should be one of compassion and understand the need to connect with his people. When you hurt, I hurt. Let me, let me just close with this and I'll be done. I'm sharing this for two reasons. One, <clears throat> because uh, God tells me I need to preach the entire counsel of God, teach and preach the entire counsel of God. I need to do that. As I was preparing this, and, and God is my witness, One of, the, one of my goals in tonight's message is not that you give me any more attention or that you do anything. That, that's, that, that's not it. But I do want you to pray for me and my wife more. We need it. 
the burden that we carry is immense. I'm not lying, I, I'm, and I'm not bragging. I, that's not my point. I hope, hopefully, y'all know me well enough. But we carry a heavy burden, and when you hurt, we hurt. And when you are happy, it makes us happy. Now I'm going to get hit for what I'm about to say, but that's okay. When Bob died. I don't even know how to say it. Part of us died. No. Never take for granted how much my wife and I love you. And if you ever move away from here, or if I ever die or whatever happens, find a man who will love you and minister to you and be willing to tell you the truth. Let's pray.